0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's so great to be with you here today. My name is Jordan, and I'm one of the pastors here at e If you um, are a guest with us today, we're so excited that you're here, whether you're here in the auditorium or over in the venue or watching online. We're so glad you could be with us this morning. Hope that you find our church to be welcoming and inviting, that this is a place that you can belong here with us here at e So as Carrie said, we are going to continue our series in the Gospel of John. And as we do that, would you please, by a show of hands, Show me if you've ever had a garden before, ever had a garden. People laugh because it's in Nebraska. They're like, garden, Jordan? I have acres and acres. You don't know what about a garden. Well, I ask because we're going to talk today about um, producing spiritual fruit. And at my house, we have a few tomato plants that we used to have a larger garden, but we've shrunk it down to a few tomato plants. And it amazes me how much plants grow and do all on their own without any coaching or any help. That, you know, you provide the proper atmosphere, the proper environment for the plants, and they grow. Like, we, we bought these tomato plants from the greenhouse, we cleared some ground, we planted them, tried to pull the weeds back, we make sure they get sunlight and water, and then they grow, and they grow, and they start producing tomatoes, and after I have to, like, tell them, like, all right, I want you to grow to be about this tall, and then when you're this tall, I want you to start producing tomatoes here, and here, and here, and here, and here. And here. And then when they get about that big, I want you to start ripening them. I want them to be red. I don't have to do any of that. I do a few things, and they grow and produce tomatoes. Now we have some farmers in our church that are probably going, Jordan, 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 Jordan. You think that's all that it takes? Like, you are ridiculous. But in my limited gardening experience, it seems like you don't have to do a ton. Like, I don't have to coach the plant or tell the plant what to do. And it produces, it produces tomatoes, in my case, if you give it the proper environment. Well, this morning we're going to look at growing spiritual fruit. And I think that sometimes we can really overcomplicate this idea of how do we grow spiritually. And really, I think it's as Jesus is going to show us in John 15 this morning, is that we give ourselves a proper environment. As we have the proper environment, spiritual fruit is going to grow. So would you pray with me, and then we will launch into John 15. Father God, I thank you so much for my friends here in the auditorium. And in the venue and online, God, would you please help us as we look at your word this morning? Would you help us to connect with it? God, would you use it to work in our hearts and our lives, God, to prune us, that there are places in our lives that are not yet like you? And God, I pray that you would use your word this morning to prune and to correct and to redirect so that growth may occur in our hearts and our lives, that we may look more like your son, Jesus. God, I pray that you would help me to be clear and concise this morning. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 15, verse 1, is where we're going to be. So John is in the New Testament, so it's towards the back of your Bible. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you find Matthew, Mark, Luke, go to the right, you'll find John. If you get to Acts, Romans, Corinthians, you're too far to the right, go to the left, you will find John. As you're turning there in your Bible or your smartphone, I want to give you a little bit of background information. So if you remember, Jesus is preparing his disciples to leave, that he is going to be executed in just a few hours from this moment when he's talking to them, that he is walking towards the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to be betrayed by Judas, who is going to have gone and got the temple guards to come and arrest Jesus. Then they are going to falsely accuse him. They're going to put him on trial with the Romans who are going to unjustly condemn him to death. They're going to beat him, mock him, torture him. They will drive nails through his wrists and his feet. He'll be crucified, and he will suffocate or bleed to death on the cross. And this is hours away from where he is right now in this moment. And so he's preparing his disciples. This is his final um, teaching that he's going to give to them. So here's what he says in John 15, verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. So why does Jesus say, I am the true vine? Why doesn't he say, I am the vine, or I am a vine? Instead, he says, I am the true vine. Well, I'm glad you asked. So in Psalm 80, verses 7 through 11, we see that Israel thinks of itself as a vine. So it says here in Psalm 80, verse 7, Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea, its shoots as far as the river. So, what's going on is that the, the nation of Israel thought of themselves as a vine. That God had removed from Egypt, they'd rescued him out of slavery and planted them in the promised land, and they were this vine that was spreading out. And their belief was, if you wanted to experience the presence of God, the gifts of God, if you wanted the blessings of God, you had to be connected to the nation of Israel. You had to be connected to that vine. Where here comes Jesus in John 15, 1, and he says, no, I am the true vine. That if you want God's blessings, you have to be connected to me. If you want to experience God's presence, you have to be connected to me. I am the true vine. You don't have to become an Israelite. You have to become a Christ follower. And so it's very possible that as Jesus is saying these things, he's walking past the front of the temple, that they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. They've left this upper room. And across the top of the temple at the front, there is this large golden grapevine that reminds all of the Israelites as they walk in that Israel is a vine. But Jesus is here to say, I am the true vine. And he goes on and says, my father is the gardener. He says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. Verses two and three says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So Jesus is using this illustration of a grapevine. And I have to admit uh, to you guys that I didn't really know what a grapevine looked like. So I have this photo up here of what a grapevine actually looks like. And I did not know that it looks like a tree. Like when I buy grapes from the store, I thought what was left after you eat the grapes is the grapevine. And so I was thinking that's what it was. But no, this is the grapevine, that this is a real grapevine. And you see that the fruit does not grow on the vine, it grows on the branches, that the branches come off of the vine and that's where the fruit grows. And so Jesus is saying, I am the vine, I am the source of life, and each of you disciples is the branches, and my fruit is going to grow in your lives. So then he talks about this branch that bears no fruit. He says, well, every branch that bears no fruit, he says, God's going to remove those branches. And I think that he's referring to Judas, that Judas is a follower who's been walking around with Jesus, but he's never committed to Jesus. That he's had close proximity to Jesus, but he's never committed to Jesus. That for two or three years he was part of the disciples, but there was never a moment where he, in trust and faith, placed his commitment in Jesus, placed his hope in Jesus. Until this day came where he just said, I'm done, and I'm going to betray Jesus. And so now, God has removed that branch because it bared no fruit, or it bore no fruit, I'm not sure, but anyway, you get the idea. Um, So this is a warning for us. And my hope, my hope is that this is a warning that is unnecessary for anybody in this room or anybody watching online or anybody in the venue. That My hope is that every single one of you is a sincere follower of Jesus. That you've not just been close to him, but you've been committed to him. But it's important that I give the warning because it's here in the text that it does not benefit you to be close in proximity to Jesus without being connected to Jesus. That it does not benefit you to come to church without being committed to Jesus. It does not benefit you to volunteer or to serve without being committed to Jesus, to put your trust and faith in Jesus. That you will not be able to hold up your resume of how many times you attended church or how many hours you volunteered. It will be, are you connected to the vine? Because if you're not connected to the vine, you will not bear fruit and you'll be removed. And so my hope, again, is that everyone that comes, you don't come because you think by coming to church you're earning God's favor. And God's going to let you into heaven because you showed up at church. My hope is you're here because you want to be more connected to Jesus than you already are. But I have to warn you that there is this, in this text, a clear warning of what happens if someone is close to Jesus but not committed to him. And the result is removal. But then he goes on to the rest of the disciples. They are these branches that are bearing fruit. And he says, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. God the Father prunes so that it would bear even more fruit. Then he says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, I don't know why the NIV does this. But if you notice, on the word prunes, my Bible has a little um, footnote next to it. And then at the bottom it says, the Greek for he prunes also means he cleans. So I'm not sure why the NIV isn't consistent, because in verse 3, or verse 2, sorry, verse 2, he says he prunes, but then in verse 3, it says, you are already clean, and those are the same. So the idea is that you are pruned by my father, because he wants you to produce more fruit, and then in verse 3, he's saying, you are already pruned, that you've already been being pruned by the word that, God has, that I've been speaking to you. So what we see is that the way that God prunes is through the teaching of Jesus, and that he's been preparing the disciples to produce more fruit. And so they are clean or they are being pruned by listening and following Jesus. So now we, let's talk about what spiritual fruit is. Because um, I've been using this term spiritual fruit, but I haven't defined it, so let's define it real quickly. Spiritual fruit is the growth of Christ-like character in our mind, heart, and lives. It's the growth of Christ-like character in our mind and our heart in our lives. That as we stay connected to the vine, we are going to begin to produce this Christ-like character by the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of us. So Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That the fruit of the Spirit is these things produced inside of us. This is the spiritual fruit we're talking about being produced this morning. So now we go back to verses 4 and 6, 4 through 6. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So, what Jesus is talking about is saying if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to produce spiritual fruit, you have to stay connected to me. So this is the first um, requirement or the first part of the environment that must be there is that you must remain, we must remain connected with Jesus, that he is the vine, that as we saw in that photo, the vine is what gives life to the branches and the branches then produce the fruit. And so if the branches are removed, it's not going to produce any fruit. If I go to my tomato plant and I cut one of the branches coming off it or one of the vines coming off of it, it's not going to produce anything that I put it on my deck and then it doesn't produce, I'm not going to go out and yell at it and go, what are you doing? Why are you not producing fruit? Why are you not producing tomatoes? Like you understand, it has to be connected to the vine. And he says in the same way, if you want to produce fruit, you have to remain connected to me. So it is necessary for us to stay connected. So how do we do that? How do we stay connected with Jesus? So there are two things that I think are going to be there for everybody. And there are some other things that are going to be there for certain people So the first two that are going to be there for everyone, one is Bible intake. There is going to be, in everybody who's growing, remaining connected to Jesus, there is some form of intaking of the Bible. That it might be you reading it on your own, it might be someone reading it to you, or it might be listening to an audio Bible, but it's some form of Bible intake, because this is how God reveals himself to us. That God has chosen to reveal himself through his word. And this is how he prunes, this is how he corrects, but this is how he teaches. This is how he shows us who he is, how he shows us what the world around us is supposed to be like, how we're supposed to live in that world, how we should think, act, love, all those things comes from the word. And so we have to be intaking that word in some shape or form. But again, how we do that might look different for each of us. Now the second piece is prayer. Prayer. The prayer is us having a conversation with God. It's us talking back to God, going, this is what, God, I, I love about you or I care about you. Or this is what I noticed today about you. This is what I need from you or I want from you. It's having a conversation. So we receive from the Bible as we understand who God is, and then we, we talk back to God through prayer. And those two things are really necessary to remain in connection with Jesus. Because you think about your other relationships, that maybe you had a friend who was a great friend in grade school and now you don't, like, you're not friends anymore. And it's not because they started being a bad friend. It's because you don't have any relationship with them or you, don't, you stop talking to them. They stopped talking to you. That you were super close and now you're not super close because you broke off those connection points. There is no more intake and outgoing from that relationship. And so the relationship with Jesus is the same way we have intake and we have a conversation that goes out. So those are the two things that are going to be there for everybody. But then beyond that, each of us has different ways we connect with Jesus. For some of us, it might be by being outdoors, that you just, when you're outside, you feel closer to God. And so you find more things to do outside, whether it's walking, whether it's hunting or fishing or riding your bike or whatever it might be. But you go, when I'm outside, I feel closer to Jesus. For some of you, it's worship music, that the more you listen, the more you sing, you feel closer, you feel that connection with Jesus. For others, it's art, that it's painting, drawing, writing, journaling. Those are the things that help you feel closer to God. For all of us, it might, it's going to be coming to church, we, being part of a life group, as you just talked about, we're even better together, that we get around a group of people that can encourage us, that we can talk to about God, or that we can, can help us as we navigate life. So it is important for us to remain in connection with Jesus. Now, the interesting thing, when he says remain, it's something you are already doing that you need to keep going. If I say to you, you need to remain in your seats, you don't have to do anything. You just stay where you're at. If I say remain, it doesn't mean you have to get up and run around and do something. It says just stay where you are. And so he's saying to the disciples, you already have this connection with me. You need to just keep it going. Remain in that connection. Remain connected to me. So we want to remain connected. then... We go on to verse seven through eight. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So the next piece of this environment is remaining in alignment with God's will. We want to remain connected to Jesus, then we want to remain in alignment with God's will. That as we remain In alignment with his will, what we can do is we can begin to pray. And as we pray, we're praying for things that God wants us to do here on earth. We pray for things that he wants us to experience here on earth. The growth he wants us to see. The growth he wants us to experience. So he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Now I have to admit to you or confess to you that I was in middle school, I thought this was a formula. That if I did this, then I would get whatever I wanted. And so I was a middle school student standing on the side of the public pool, and I said, Okay, if you remain in me, okay, I put my trust in you, Jesus. And then my word remains in you, okay, I gotta memorize a Bible verse. Jesus wept. Okay, I've got it. Now, I can ask for whatever I wish. God, I wanna walk on water. And then I can step off the side of the pool, push. And I went in and go, What is going on? I did the steps. I I got connected to you, I got your word in me, I can ask for whatever I wish, and it didn't happen. What is the deal? The deal is that my motives were terrible, that I thought I had a formula that was gonna make God do what I was asking him to do, instead of going, if I do these things, it's gonna make me the kind of person that's gonna ask for what God wants me to ask for. And so as I remain closer and connected to Jesus, my prayers begin to change, They begin to change more about the things that I want to more of what I think God wants to happen here on earth. As God's word gets more and more into me, it prunes and shapes my prayers to pray more for the things that Jesus would pray for if he was here and now. And as I pray for those things, then God grants those things. Because one, it brings more honor and fame to his name. It says that we have this heavenly father, Jesus' father, he wants us to bear much fruit. He wants us to bear fruit. He's not up there going, well, if you figure this out, good luck. He's going, I want you to grow. I want you to bear fruit. And as we bear fruit, it brings honor and fame and glory to him. And it it shows that we're a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Now, there is one catch in all of this, and that is this. Our timetable is hardly ever God's timetable. So there are times that you pray for things that are in alignment with God's will, but they are not in the timetable of God's time. They're not on God's time. So you pray, God, I want you to remove this temptation. God, I want you to give me victory over this sin. God, I want you to help my spouse have victory over this. I want you to help my kids have victory over this. And those are good things in alignment with God's will, but my timetable and your timetable is hardly ever what God's is. Like, you think about when I plant my tomato plant, if I ran out the next day and expected tomatoes, I was going to be very disappointed. And if I dug it out because I go, this must be a bad tomato plant, it didn't produce anything, my timetable is off. I can tell you that there has been times that I begged and pleaded, God, would you change this in me? And God answered that prayer over years, not over a couple of days. And by doing it on his time instead of my time, what happened is I realized how difficult this thing was going to be to root out and destroy. And so when I finally had victory over it, it caused me to say, I never want to do that again because I know how hard it was to get rid of it. I know how difficult it was to fight it and to get to this point where I can say no, so I never want to say yes again because I never want to fall into that again. And that's what God did as he took it over time instead of this instantaneous fix. And so we remain connected to Jesus. We remain in alignment with God's will. As we do these things, spiritual fruit is going to begin to grow. But then there's a third piece to the environment. Verse 9 through 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So Jesus is saying the next piece that needs to exist is we need to remain, remain in God's loving command. That as we remain in God's loving command, there's going to be fruit that's growing. Now, as we read this, it sounds strange because verse 10 says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And that can sound like, if you do what I tell you to do, I will love you. And if you don't do what I tell you to do, I won't love you. But you've been here enough, you know that's not the gospel The gospel is we did not do what God asked us to do. We were rebellious sinners, and yet God still loves us. And so the gospel is very clear that despite what we do, Jesus is going to love us. He's going to care about us. So what does he mean here when it says to remain in God's loving command? What I think he's trying to say is that my commands, my laws, my rules, they're formed by my love for you. That my love for you forms the boundary of what you can and cannot do, and if you stay inside those commands, you're going to stay inside of my love because that is where I have, that is the, what is, sorry, that is what has formed those boundaries. So let me give you an example. So I have two kids, Lame is five and Penny is one and a half. And I love them even when they choose to disobey me, I continue to love them. But one of the rules we have at our house is you do not run into the street that my kids are small, it's hard to see them, people text and drive, they cannot be in the street. So the rule is, you do not run in the street. Now, my love for my kids has formed that rule. I'm not trying to keep good things from them, I'm not trying to keep fun from them, I'm trying to keep them from danger, trying to keep them from hurt and pain and death. And so my love has formed this boundary of the street and saying, you do not run into the street. As long as they obey that command, they're staying inside of my love that has been created through that command. If they go outside of that command, they will no longer benefit from the love that has formed that command. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, my commands, they're formed out of my love. They're, the boundaries I have placed are formed out of my care for you. I'm not trying to keep good things from you. I'm not trying to keep joy or happiness from you. I'm trying to keep pain and suffering from you. And so if you remain inside of my commands, you will remain inside of the love that formed those commands, and you will experience growth. But if you choose to go outside of that, I will continue to love you, but you will not benefit from any of the love that formed that command. So we need to remain in God's loving command. So we remain connected to Jesus. We remain in alignment with God's will, and we remain inside of God's loving command. And then we get to the final verses here, verses 11 through 17. It says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That his purpose in saying these things, to stay connected to him, to stay in alignment with his will, to stay inside of his commands, is for our joy. That he wants us to experience joy. and this is where it's found, that you go outside of that, you're not, you might have short glimpses of fun, but what you have is lifetimes of consequence. So he says, stay inside of these things, and you experience my joy. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So this is the command he wants us to do, is to love each other, and he qualifies it as I have loved you. As I loved you, that's how I want you to go and love other people. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is not a hypothetical for Jesus. This is not a, if a moment arises, this is an hours, I will do this for you. An hours, I will show you my great love for you by laying down my life for you, my friends. Now for us, There may be a moment we literally lay down our lives, we literally push someone away from a car, we literally stand in front of something, we do that. But most likely it will be a daily dying to self. A daily act of saying, I'm going to love you and I'm going to die to myself. That I'm going to care for you and I'm going to die to myself. 14, you are my friends if you do what I command now again, it's not that I don't love you, I don't care about you, I won't call you my friend if you don't do what I say, but if we don't do what he says, we become rebels. We're no longer friends, we're, we're, we are rebels. Verse 15, it says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you says, everything that God told me, I have shared with you. I've not hidden anything back from you. I've not kept it back, but instead, you are my friend, and so I've let you know me completely, and I've known you completely because you are my friend. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So if you remember back to the beginning of John again and again and again, he comes up to these people and he says, come, follow me, come, follow me. That you don't have a disciple who goes to him and says, please, can I follow you? Instead, Jesus finds them one after the next and he says, come, follow me. And for each of us in this room, Jesus has said, come, follow me. That he offered us, we didn't go to God and say, God, hey, I know that there's just I, I, I really like to be in a relationship with you. Would you please send your son No, God sends his son to extend an arm of friendship, a hand of friendship, and say, come, follow me. And then he says, I've appointed you so that you would bear fruit. That God the Father wants us to be fruitful. Jesus wants us to be fruitful. The Holy Spirit wants us to be fruitful. They're all working together to produce fruit in us. That if we create the environment, if we remain in Jesus, if we remain in alignment with God's will, if we remain inside his loving command, then fruit is going to grow because all three persons of the Trinity desire to see fruit grow in our lives. 17. This is my command love each other. Love each other. The final piece is to remain in loving others as Jesus loved us. To remain in loving others as Jesus loved us. Now maybe you've experienced this, that as you love somebody else, you begin to realize how much God's loved you. As you realize sometimes how hard it is to love somebody else, you realize how hard it must have been for God to love you. And yet he chose to love you, chose to care about you, chose to die for you that as we love others, as we treat others as friends like Jesus treated us, as we lay down our lives for others as Jesus has laid down his life for us, as we choose to love them, even sometimes when people are unlovable or undeserving of the love in the same way that we were unlovable and undeserving of God's love, and yet he chose to love us. As we do this, fruit is going to grow because we're going to see the different parts of us that need to change the different parts of us that need to be pruned back and removed that more fruit might grow in its place. And so we remain in loving others as Jesus loves us. Now my guess is there's some people in this room, maybe in the venue, maybe online, that are going, Jordan, I'm exhausted. I am exhausted, I am tired, I cannot love another person. I cannot pour out any more that I feel like I am a dry sponge, that there is no water, there is nothing left to give. I am exhausted. And if that is you, I am so glad you're here. And what I would beg and plead for you to do is to go back to the very beginning and remain in Jesus. That he says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that withers. And maybe you feel like a withered branch this morning. And loving someone else feels exhausting and it feels impossible to produce fruit. And you're right. That it is impossible to produce fruit if you are not connected to Jesus. And so if you're seeing this and you're going, this is impossible, Jordan. I am exhausted. I am tired. Then go back to Jesus. Then start there and saying, what can I do this week to remain in him? What can I do this week to, con- to grow and strengthen that connection that I have with him? Because as you are connected to him, his energy flows through the power of the Holy Spirit into you, and you begin to naturally love and care about other people. You begin to naturally, it's difficult at times, but it, it doesn't feel impossible. It doesn't feel like it's draining. It feels like, yes, I can do this because this is what Jesus is doing in me and through me. That as you remain in alignment with God's will, you be, pray for things And sometimes it's just for perseverance. It's God, would you help me to continue to love this person that is so hard to love, that I'm so frustrated with, that I'm so exhausted by. Would you help me to love them? God, would you help me to obey this command that right now it seems like there is so much better outside of this command. God, would you help me to instead to trust that you are good, that you put this boundary there for my good. Would you help me to stay inside of this Would you help me to experience your presence and your nearness that I would experience the blessing of being connected to you? And then as those things are in place, we will begin to naturally love others. And so instead of going, I'm going to will myself to love this person, because Jordan said we need to do this, instead we go, I need to connect to Jesus, because as I connect to him, I will begin to love other people. And it will not feel like something I have to do. It will feel like something that I want to do, because the love of Christ is filling me. The joy of Christ is filling me. I just want to bless people. I want to help them. And so I'm not sure where you're at in this room, I'm not sure if you just need to connect with Jesus and you need to go, I need to take whatever step it is this week to grow that connection because I feel like a withered branch. Or if you're going, I've been praying like Jordan in middle school on the side of the pool because I thought I had the formula to get what I wanted and I've been angry because I have not been getting what I wanted. Or I've been disappointed that I haven't been getting what I wanted. And instead, the prayer just needs to be, God, would you shape me to pray the way you would want me to pray? God, would you help me to ask for more things than just, I want, I want, or I need, I need. And there's nothing wrong with wants or needs. But think for a moment, what would it be like if the conversations you had with someone, they only ever said to you, I want or I need. And some of you are like, I have those conversations. It's with my kids. But but you go, I want so much more for that. Like, I want to have this relationship with my kids that it's not just I want this thing, but it's I get to know you and you get to know me and we get to have this deep relationship. God is desiring that kind of relationship with you. And so say, God, would you help me to learn how to pray those kind of prayers instead of just I need a parking spot? Would you help my kids at school today? Which again, there's nothing wrong with those things. But their depth of relationship does not come out of those places. And last, would you, if you're saying, Jordan, I've got that. Then say, God, would you help me to love others as you have loved me? Would you help me, would you help me to see the people who need love? Would you help me to walk towards them and to love them and care for them the way that you would love and care for them the way you have loved and cared for me? Would you pray with me? Father God, God, we need your help. God, we are the branches and you are the vine. And God, I pray that you would help us to confess to you the places where we've thought that we didn't need a vine, that we thought we could do this on our own apart from you. And God, I pray that you would help us to connect with you. God, I pray for my friends in this room, God, that you would help them to find what are those things that helps them to be closer to you what is it that helps them to hear your voice? What is it that helps them to speak more freely with you? What is it that helps them to know that you hear? God, I pray that they would find those ways to connect with you, that you've created each one of them uniquely. But God, you've created them to be in a relationship with you, in a connection with you, that you have designed them to be branches that need and require the vine. And so Lord, would you please connect them to yourself? Would you give them perseverance? Would you give them the deep desire to get up and to connect? To not say, I can do this on my own, but to come to a place of such um, realization and desperation that would say, I have to read my Bible, I have to pray, because if I do not do that, there will be no growth today. There will be no fruit production. It will be a, tr- a branch without a vine. It will be a plant without water and sunshine. that will be walking towards shriveling and dying. And God, I pray that you would help us to instead grow. God, would you help us to guard over our lives to just make this environment possible so that we can experience the growth that you give, that God, you desire to give us growth. God, would you help us to know where we need to be pruned? And God, we're thankful that you are doing the pruning and you are not going to give up on us. pray this all in your son's name, amen.